0: joined by Rose from the south coast of New South Wales, Australia. After a fairly challenging and dramatic first home birth, Rose was dead set on not having another child for some time. On a trip back to Australia from the Caribbean where her partner was working, she discovered she was pregnant yet again. On the brink of Hurricane Irma, she was separated from her partner for many months, who got stuck in the Caribbean in the aftermath of the disastrous hurricane. Rose stayed in Australia with family and decided to free birth. She experienced a simple and painless, ecstatic birth with her daughter. She also talks about what it was like to have her toddler son at the birth, her regret of ultrasounds, and the lessons she learned from both of her births.
1: Probably starts with when I met my partner. Um, So I was, well before that, I was living in Jamaica, I was working and living on a farm in Jamaica. And then I ended up kind of finding myself on this island. I was hitchhiking around the Caribbean. I'd been hitchhiking around the world for about eight years. And yeah, and I found myself on this little island and I didn't intend to stay there for very long, but I met um, this man at the supermarket that ended up being my partner and stayed on that little island so um ended up kind of moving myself into his house and then i mean 8 weeks later we found out we were pregnant oh my gosh yeah so it was definitely like really scary like at the beginning um you know i didn't know this man at all i had literally just met him um we'd known each other yeah for 8 weeks um, I hadn't planned on being pregnant. I'd never had, um, I'd never been pregnant before. That wasn't something like on my radar at all. Wow. Um, so yeah, it was really scary. Like when I listened to, um, the women's stories about conscious conception and it all sounds so beautiful, but for me, it was really scary. Mhm. So, um, yeah, we kind of talked about what we would do and, you know, whether this is something that we're willing to jump in and and do together. And, um, at that time he was working two full-time jobs, so we didn't see each other very often. Um, and anyway, yeah, we ended up deciding this is something that we were willing to do together. Um, and I had always, uh, I was born at home, So that's probably an important thing to note. I was born at home. My brother was born at home. So I knew that whenever I was to have children, it would always be at home. That was, Mm. that wasn't a question. Um, and actually my mother, when 30 years ago, when she gave birth to my brother and I, she was part of the home birth movement here in Australia. Um, so she set up conferences with Jane Hardwick Collins and she was very involved in what was happening here 30 years ago. And when I fell pregnant with my son, um she said to me, "You know she came like it was very sad for her because she had hoped thirty years ago that when she and her friends were doing all this great work, she hoped that birthing at home was going to be something super normal and like Aww. very common when her daughter felt pregnant so for her, she felt that like that you know she saw that the fight still had to be fought and that for her was a bit sad totally um so so yeah so um but there I was like on this island in the middle of nowhere so the island's called Providencialis it's in the middle it's in the islands of Turks and Caicos but it's a very small little place they have a tiny little hospital um nobody has home births um the cesarean rate's really high um and you know I knew that that wasn't a place to birth mm-hmm. um also, that particular island doesn't have any fresh, drinkable water Whoa. on the island. So everything, all the fruit and vegetables are imported. And that, the fact that there's no fresh water on the island, um, it, like from the moment that I set foot on that island, I felt very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And the vibration on the island is very low. The energy is very low. And... Like I, even if I was to free birth, I knew that that wasn't. I didn't feel comfortable birthing on that island. It didn't feel like a place of life. Hmm. Um, so I knew that that I would have to leave, and I also didn't have a visa, um, to be on that island. I didn't have legal status, so I had to leave every ninety days. So I would fly to Canada, and I flew to Jamaica, and I flew to Puerto Rico, and did this all while I was pregnant. <laughs> so I was still hitchhiking and um selling my jewelry like on the way. And I sort of didn't stop that kind of lifestyle. And then when I was seven months pregnant, I flew back to Australia. So he so he stayed on the island um, in Turks and Caicos. Mm-hmm. We just call it Provo. So I'll just refer to it as Provo. Okay. Because um, it's called Providencialis. So it's like a shortening. Um, and yeah, so he was in Provo, but he did come for the birth. He came to Australia for the birth. He's from Haiti. Oh, and I forgot to mention that I did get a I did get one ultrasound during that pregnancy. So when I was about I would say about 15 weeks pregnant, um, I went to a gynecologist, a private gynecologist on the island. She was from Germany, and I had never you know I had never been like to a doctor really before. Um, you know I have never. I've been a healthy person my whole life and I really have very limited experience with doctors and hospitals. And, but, you know, I didn't know what to do. I thought that's what people did. So, um, I went to see her and, um, she, you know, confirmed that I was pregnant and I peed in a cup and all the regular stuff. And she did this tiny little ultrasound. Um, and it took about five minutes and, she just sort of said, yeah, the baby's healthy and then turned off the machine. And it was very like just easygoing. And she told me that she birthed her babies at home. And I said, yeah, I'm going to give birth at home. And it was, it was, it was a positive interaction and it was short. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was 600 us dollars for Whoa. that appointment. So you other- <laughs> was-
0: otherwise you just didn't see anybody. You just kind of did your own yeah. thing.
1: Yeah. So then I just did my own thing for the rest of the pregnancy. And then, so I flew to Australia, I was seven months pregnant and I still, at that point, I still didn't know whether I would free birth or whether I would find a midwife. So I flew, but I didn't know anyone in Australia. I hadn't lived in Australia for a very long time. So when I flew here, um, I went, I stayed at my dad's property and, I started to search around this local area for a home birth midwife and found that actually they're few and far between and they're really hard to get a hold of Mm. and they're really expensive. And I started to think, I think I'm just going to have this baby unassisted. I hadn't even, I hadn't heard of the term free birth at that point, but I had, you know, I had lived in Jamaica where women just go to the river and give birth to their baby. I had Mm -hmm. lived in um in Cameroon in West Africa, where it's a similar deal, and I had seen that happen, so I knew that that was normal um but uh I would but I was in a place where I would have liked to have had a midwife if they were accessible um because I didn't see having a midwife uh attending my birth as a negative thing at mm-hmm. that point. Um right, Cause ideally so, they're an absolute
0: wonderful thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, ideally. Yeah. You know, unless they're there to mess up your birth. Right. Yeah. Um, so um so anyway, I was I wasn't finding one and um I was I think I was thirty-five weeks pregnant and my my mom and I took a road trip um down south and I just ended up popping into a little shop. It was like just a Um, in a little kind of village in the mountains. And um, I was in this like hippie shop with crystals and, um, you know, all these women were, you know, walking around wearing harem pants. And I'm like, there's no way these women go to the hospital about their baby. Like, Mm -hmm. it's crazy. (laughs) And so I just asked around and, yeah, one of the ladies said, oh, yeah, like the lady just in the next shop, she just gave birth a couple of weeks ago. And, um like she knows she should know. And then so I went and spoke to her and she got me in contact with with a woman who was a local midwife and she she was a registered midwife. Um and she gave me her phone number and we ended up having tea that afternoon, um, in a little cafe. She came to meet me there. And as soon as I met her, I was like, She's just like I fell in love with her. You know, she was barefoot and she was wearing this really lovely flowing green dress and she had her hair out and she had all its armpit hair. And <laughs> I was like, yes, I want you at my birth. And, um, she agreed to come to my birth and she said, that sounds fantastic. But she told me that she actually had holidays planned for that time. So for of when I was due, um, so she told me that she would attend my birth, but that, um, might, that she might not be there, basically. <laughs> so if I was to go um, early, then I would just have the baby at home, and then she wouldn't end up charging me. Mm-hmm. And then if she ha- and then if I gave birth after she got back from a holiday, then of course she would come, and and then I would pay her the fee if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. She ended up being available. Um, I had my son on the twenty sixth of January, so. I, yeah, I was on a Monday that I went into labor. I had no pre-labor or prodromal labor with my son and he was posterior. So I went into labor at about 8.30 PM on, on the Monday evening and because I hadn't, I had never felt what a contraction feels like before, and I had no sort of like easy pre labor. I was actually pouring myself a cup of tea when I felt the first contraction, and it shocked me so much that I spilt the boiling hot water all over my belly. <gasps> yeah, and I had a scar for about six months. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so that was it was like really, it was really violent and I wasn't, it just came out of nowhere. And, you know, I still don't know whether or not like the hot water might've like joggled him into a weird place or scared him, um, in my belly. But it was, that was, it was a very kind of like, um, sort of violent beginning of the labor. Mm. And, um, and then I had, um, I had contractions that were very, very close together from the very beginning. So the contractions were about sort of one or two minutes apart, lasting about 30 seconds from the get-go. And so, so yeah, that was about 8.30. I think I phoned the midwife. Oh, the other thing to mention is that my midwife lived four hours away from – from me, that this is just the reality in rural Australia, yeah, yeah. So, you know, so I was aware that, like, you know, I had read all of like Ina May and like all these birth stories, and I didn't want to be that person that calls the midwife out super early. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why, I just had that thing in my head, and so. I was like, no, I'm not going to call her. It's way too early, of course. But um, I did phone her to tell her that I had started to be in labor. And she told me on the phone, um, you know, you should go down, just go and rest and lie down and relax. And at that point, I'd only been in labor for about half an hour, but I was like, that is not a possibility. Mm. I was like, I was already, it was like, on. From the very beginning, yeah, I was already having to lean on the wall breathing really deeply, needing pressure in my back, like it was on, like it was on. And she said, "Yeah, just go lie down and rest." I'm like, "No, lady, like this is like we're not at that point."
0: Yeah.
1: Um so yeah, so then um I didn't uh, we my husband and I went into um my bedroom to kind of labor together and he was putting pressure on my back and I didn't know, but my, my dad, so we were, we had the baby, we gave birth at my dad's property hmm. and, um, my dad didn't tell me, but at about 10:30 um, in the evening he had phoned the midwife back and told her to get in the car and come. So, um, she ended up arriving about 1am or 2am and My, my, my mom had two very easy, simple births at home. So for my dad, um, to see me kind of like in that amount of pain, Mm. um, and really struggling, he kind of freaked out a little bit and was like, oh, I really think the midwife should be here. Cause I, I think he thought that I was in transition or, you know, about to have the baby. Um, so anyway, um, yeah we just kind of worked through the contractions. It was about five a m um when oh and I should mention, yeah, at this point, I definitely knew that the the baby was posterior. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a very like it was a very distinct sensation between like you know having having his his back rubbing against my spine and my lower back, that was a, like a very clear pain. And then when the contractions would come on, the sensation of my uterus contracting and pushing my baby down was a very, like, it was very easy to distinguish between those two sensations.
0: Hmm.
1: And the, the pain in my back didn't subside for the entire 17 hours. (sighs) of, of labor. Whereas the contractions of my uterus, they were, they would, you know, obviously come on the, the sensation would come on and then the contraction would subside. And then I would, I would get a rest from that particular sensation. Hmm. And there was a, there was a knowledge, um, that the, the sensation of my uterus contracting was a healthy sensation. It felt like a good sensation, something that was healthy and, and positive and the pain in my back, didn't feel that way. It didn't feel like it was normal or healthy. Hmm. Um, and, and I just, I knew that he was definitely posterior. And I said that a few hours in and, and my midwife kind of just nodded and said she didn't really want to, you know, I don't think she wanted me to think that that was going to make the labor worse or, or longer. Um,
0: yeah. I anyway. mean, yeah I, there's so much energy around posterior and I definitely have seen it be, you know, really hard, but I've also seen it not be, you know, so exactly. I, don't, I don't want anyone yeah. to get too freaked out.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 Like I, I hear women, you know, I, like, I think Laura Shanley had a pretty like straightforward posterior birth and like women totally do. So, um, but anyway, um, and then yeah about 5 I think it's about 5 a.m. I asked so my midwife was she's a very like calm and relaxed like quiet person um you know she was just kind of sitting in the corner and chilled out and she's a very hands-off person and the interventions that I had during that birth were 100% my um like decisions so like what I, do you mean what what interventions did you decide to have well, I had cervical exams. She took me twice um and I end up having her break my waters at about eleven a m mm-hmm. so and i I regret that decision one hundred percent yeah, but um, and I regret the cervical exams as well, yeah, I mean like they were useless, i mean like when when she checked me about 5 a.m. and told me that I was about five or six centimeters, that was just, it was like, just like, such bad news. Like in my head, it was, I know it does so much
0: more harm than good psychologically, because if you, if you want a vaginal exam, you're probably not close to delivery. (laughs) And so if you don't want one, because you're, you know, you're, you're, uh, what's the word bearing down and you're growling. Well then yeah, no shit. You don't want one because you're about to have a baby, but yeah, I, I mean, you know, although I guess I wanted one and, and wound up, you know, I was, I was complete, but it, you know, I, I regret mine as well. Like it doesn't, yeah. um, it's this, you know, it's an illusion of control and this illusion that we're going to somehow be able to gauge out what's, what's exactly. happening. And, and obviously we both
1: know that's not true and it's so heady and yeah, I, yeah. I, I feel, yeah that was just like the stupidest thing. Like I remember just feeling like that was just the stupidest decision to do that, to know that. And then that really like, yeah, just like, I don't know. just was, then it was just a mind fuck from then on Mm -hmm. because I was constantly trying to tell myself that, that like, no, I'm not halfway. I'm probably more than halfway. And then these centimeters are going to go faster. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and then I was just thinking too much. And then it, it made it much more difficult to just surrender and, and, and go with it. So that was definitely a bad idea. Um, and to my ma- to my midwife's credit, she was always trying to talk me against having, you know, the first time I suggested that she was like, "Oh, why don't we wait a few more hours and and see." And so I think, you know, she probably knew that truth as well. Mm. Um. Anyway, so um, I ended up getting in the birth pool, um, probably at about eleven a.m. My son ended up being born at two p.m. By the way. Um, so that, you know, the kind of time, um, frame, but, um, yeah, I, I think I got in a pool about 11, 11 AM. Um, but I was still like, I was still in, you know, in a lot of pain. He was still really high up. I could feel him kicking in my ribs. Um, my midwife checked me again and I, she said I was still like probably a seven centimeters. So I was really really, like, I, f- I just felt like I had a really long time to go. And having had an anterior birth recently, uh, the diff- the the really hard thing about that particular labor, and again, I'm not saying that all posterior births go like this, but the contractions with my son's birth felt incredibly inefficient. Hmm. Like, every – he, he honestly, he felt like he was in the exact same – Position inside me for 17 hours. He honestly felt like he didn't move. Yeah. He just, the contractions were not getting him down at all. They just, he wasn't descending. I didn't feel him descend the entire time. Um, right. It wasn't until tr- transition that he really descended. So he felt really stuck mm. and it was really hard, like just feeling. Like I didn't throughout the whole day, but I didn't get any sense of like, you know, progress. Like, you know, my moon wife broke my waters and it didn't really do anything. Um, I was in the pool um, and I was exhausted also at this point. I had vomited um, up everything I had eaten. Um, I couldn't keep, I couldn't even keep down water. I was incredibly nauseous. I had had no food at this point. For the whole time, so that was another thing that uh-huh. was um, a big mistake. I couldn't keep down any food, couldn't keep down any water. I was severely dehydrated. I was exhausted. My my partner had to hold my head up in the water so that I wouldn't keep swallowing water in the, oh. when I was in the birth pool. That's that yeah, brutal. I was, I was. It was brutal. And I remember at one point, um, I remember at one point just just thinking that if this is like if this is how i I die, then that is okay <laughs> totally <laughs> like I, I'm sure a lot of women can relate to that, uh-huh. like I remember literally being like thinking you know i've like i've had a pretty sweet life like i'm twenty six i've you know I was hitchhiked around the world for ten years I've done some pretty cool stuff, you know I've been in prison, like you know i've had a pretty sweet life i'm I'm done like I am cool if this is it. <laughs>
0: Really, like, just please let it be soon.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm totally done. And actually, Emily, I had this wild experience. This is something I wanted to mention. Where you know, and I'm sure a lot of women have gone to this place in labor, where I actually left, actually left my body, and I remember floating like up in the ceiling of my dad's house, where we were in the library, and there were these bookshelves around and I was just sort of floating like up the top where the skylight is. And I remember looking down and just thinking like, wow, like that woman is in labor and she's working so hard and Mm. like, just, just staring and being a witness to the situation. And then all of a sudden being like, holy fuck, that's me Mm. in labor. And then I kind of just came down into my body again. And that was wild. Anyway. So at, at some point I decided that um, that my baby was stuck and I really, I really didn't have any energy left. I I was totally drained. I, I really felt like I wasn't progressing. I had tried squatting. I had tried moving around. I had tried all sorts of different positions. Like I just didn't have anything left in me and Mm -hmm. my support team were not suggesting anything else or, or they didn't have anything to offer me. Um, So, and that was my midwife, my husband, my mom, and my dad were all there. And so I said to everybody, I think I need to go to hospital. I think, I think, I think the baby's stuck Mm -hmm. and I couldn't think of anything else to do at that point. Like I didn't have any other tools in my toolbox.
0: Which (laughs) sucks because that's literally what a midwife is supposed to be there for.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really feel and and I was really disappointed that the people didn't have the reaction of, no, you can do it. Um right. and you know, I was in transition. I later realized I was in transition, I was doubting myself. And I was like, this baby's stuck, I can't do it anymore, I'm exhausted. And nobody had anything to offer me. Not even, you know, not even words of encouragement. Wow. And so you know, and everybody there knew how adamant I was about having giving birth at home, and how, you know, anti-hospital I was. So for me to say something like that it was a pretty big fucking deal. And uh, but no one said anything. And you, know, when I look back to that, I think that's just that's not what they were there for. They should have been able to say something. And and surely like my mum or the or the midwife that had both had children could have told me hey, you're probably in transition, right? but, but not even that. So, so we called an ambulance. Um, and the midwife, she – so the, where, where my dad's property is, there's a small hospital, which is 15 minutes away, and then there's a large hospital, which is an hour and 15 minutes drive. But the small hospital five, five or six years ago stopped doing births um, because they don't have an obstetrician on call. And that's a whole other story. Um, but they refuse to take, um, women in labor there, they send them to the, the larger hospital. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I was thinking at this point, I was thinking maybe I just need like a, dri- like a drip or something. Maybe I just need to be like hydrated or I don't know. I had no idea what I needed. Right, of course. Uh, but they, they said to my midwife on the phone that they wouldn't, take me to the smaller hospital, but they would have to take me to the the larger hospital that was a further drive away. And I could hear her having the conversation on the phone while I was getting out of the pool. And I yelled to her, just forget it then. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not spending an hour and 15 minutes in the back of the ambulance. Right. And so I was like, just forget it. I was just like, just forget it. And at this point I was actually on all fours right next to the pool. I had just got out of the pool and all of a sudden I felt um, the urge to bear down. I start pushing and I was like, "Whoa, what's this? And I did, I did have like one like little push there, but it was, it didn't feel like anything was really coming or anything was really happening. And then, and then what happened was what the ambulance officers turned up at the house and they pushed a, um, like a stretcher um, to kind of like the, the, where the, my dad's house has like a little library and then like some steps down to the main room and they put the stretcher there and they said that I had to sort of, I had to get myself on the stretcher and that they couldn't lower the stretcher, which I thought was really odd. Um, and it was really high and everyone was saying, how the hell is she going to get herself onto the stretcher? Like, that's crazy. And... I was like, I can't get onto that. Like, I'm a whale, you know. Like, I'm in transition. Like, <laughs> there's no way that's happening. Like, I could barely move. I mean, I every in the the previous three or four hours, no matter what I did or where I went, I had to have two people supporting me. I was yeah. that exhausted and that yeah. drained. And right. so, my dad and my my partner were preparing to like literally lift me up onto the stretcher and then out of nowhere my husband said that it looked like i was possessed out of nowhere i basically just ran and like jumped onto the stretcher and like put my leg really far i had to like lift my one of my legs really high up to get myself onto the stretcher and then that's what did it that's what um that's what um jiggled my son down <laughs> so I felt, yeah, it was amazing. So then then I was on the stretcher, and in my head I was like, whoa, and then all of a sudden all the the back pain was totally gone, and I just felt him right there. And, I mean, it was like this big kerfuffle. Like my mom and dad were running into the garage to get into their car, and then the people were already wheeling me down out the doors and into the back of the ambulance, and there I am Mm. like, holding like I had my hand you know on my vagina thinking this is my baby coming right now like that's insane how he just like jiggled it down like I was so internal at that point and then all this stuff was happening and then all of a sudden I was in the back of the ambulance and people are closing doors and people are getting in and I'm saying no wait the baby's coming Wow. Yeah. I'm saying no no wait, wait 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 the baby's coming and um we drove about 100 meters down the road and i just yelled the baby's coming stop the car and i just pushed and he he came out right there oh my god were you in the ambulance when he came out i was in the ambulance yeah wow i was in the back of the ambulance the midwife was with me my husband was in the um front of the ambulance with the driver and my my mom and my dad were driving behind the ambulance so um you know we just stopped and well like we just turned around and went back to the house <laughs> Wow. So, um,
0: wait, they didn't keep trying to push you on to the hospital? No, no, no.
1: That's interesting. I'm surprised they didn't want yeah. to go to get you checked out. No, they, they, they asked me, they said, um, you know, do you want to keep going or do you want to go home? I said, no, we're going home. Thank you very much. Um, and they ended up they ended up coming into the house. They were really nice. Both of the officers were really nice. One female and one male. They were crying. Like and my mom was making them tea and muffins. And they were just kind of like you know, they were they were you know, they were they were, they were fine. They were nice and um um yeah, and then we just went back to the house and um and I birthed the placenta well, there. But I felt did really they all leave. Like, uh, they left after the birth of the placenta. Wow. Yeah. So they they asked me if I could they could stay for the birth of the placenta um, because I had said I was going to have a physiological third stage and they said can we wait because I guess they would have had syntocin or whatever but my midwife had syntocin in an fridge anyway mm-hmm. so um, but they asked if they could stay and I said that's fine I mean at that point I was so exhausted and yeah. just relieved I mean I didn't so um yes yeah, so that was my son's birth wow uh, it was pretty it was pretty it's pretty like you know dramatic and yeah. chaotic it didn't need to be mm-hmm. and and I felt stupid I felt really like stupid about calling the ambulance and and then having it go down that way but in at the end when I think back that that really Getting on the stretcher was what jiggled him down, and and I don't know if I would have had the strength to like, you know, really make violent movements um, to get him down because that's what he needed. Right. It was just a, it was just a like a, it was just a lot of drama, and yeah. it's funny because that's like that's totally my son. My son is all about drama and chaos and like he's super noisy and oh, and the other thing that happened like unbeknownst to me was that while they were filling up the while my dad and my mom were filling up the birth pool with hot water, we, my dad's house ran out of hot water. So he climbed over the fence to the neighbor's house and like sort of broke into their house and hooked up a hot water hose from their laundry over the fence and in to our, oh his my house God. pool. <laughs> Yeah. And then, and then the hot water pipe burst in their, inside their house and their whole like laundry and house was flooded with boiling hot water. They weren't home? Uh, They weren't home. No, they, they, we ended up, I ended up having to like give them a bunch of money. Yeah.
0: Oh my God. Okay. So, so then take me to your evolution of, of free birth. I mean, obviously you then free birthed your little girl. So what was, what was it, you know, in, in the wake of that birth and, um, processing that and, and, you know, unpacking it and and then take me into this next pregnancy?
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I definitely felt like, um, you know, having my midwife there was not necessarily like, you know, a positive addition. Like she's a lovely person, but I, you know, she didn't really participate in a very big way, Hmm. um, in that birth. And And when you needed her
0: to participate at the end, she didn't.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, neither did the other people there. Yeah. I think it was a big realization for me that actually I didn't need any of those people. Like it wasn't just, okay, next time I give birth, I won't have a midwife. It was next time I give birth, I won't have anyone because, they were all like fairly useless. I love them all. And it sounds like I'm being ungrateful for their support, but at the end of the day, it, you know, really, it, it wasn't it, like I had to go through that experience to realize that actually birth is not a team effort. Mm-hmm. Totally. It is. You are the only person in the entire world that's going to birth your baby. And if you take 100% responsibility, for it from the get-go, from conception, then you know you're just in such a better mindset too. Mm-hmm. And I didn't do that with my son. I I thought, you know, I I really f- took on the whole event as if it was a team sport, <laughs> and mm. as if having having these people there and having this support, we're gonna do this together, you know, and we're gonna birth this baby together. And that just So, yeah. So I realized that.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like when people say we're pregnant or we're having a free birth or we are, you know, it's like, no, I'm sorry. (laughs) That is just, that is
1: factually untrue. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it, I, uh, my point of realization of that was when I was in the pool and I knew he was stuck and I was looking at these four adults in the room thinking, these people have nothing to offer me. Like <laughs> yeah. I, I am the only person in the whole world that's going to birth this baby. And it was an, I was an hour before I birthed him. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish I had realized that months and months before. And so, um, so, so when my son was four weeks old, we went back over to the Caribbean and that's where we lived. Um, So we were there until my son was about 18 months old. And, we weren't at this stage, we were not planning on having any more kids for a while um, because we had a lot going on and um, there was a really massive hurricane in the Caribbean in 2017 last year called Irma. You probably heard of it. Yeah, It was like it ripped through like a lot of the islands in the Caribbean um, and my son and I left at the island three days before the hurricane hit our island. Um, and we flew to California. So, um, I, so I, that was at the end of August. Um, and my husband was on the island for the hurricane and, and my son and I were intending to, from California, continue on to Australia. Hmm. So, um, it wasn't until I arrived in Australia and I had been in Australia for a few weeks with my son. That I realised that I was pregnant. So, wow. I, I, I sort of I had seen my husband at the end of August, um, and yeah, and he, I and mean, he was in sort of post-apocalyptic, um, you know, post-hurricane situation. He didn't have any internet or phone or or electricity or anything like that. So, um, it was really hard to get a hold of him to even talk about um the pregnancy I remember the first the very first time I got a hold of him and managed to like tell him that I was pregnant through like you know the phone cutting in and out he was just like how he was like how How's like I'm not even there like, <laughs> like, like it was like I don't even remember like I was having sex the last month that I was there it was so stressful and mm. we were leaving so we were both like how is like we were just like what right <laughs> when did it even yeah. happen exactly so, so I didn't see my husband for the first four weeks of the pregnancy, the first four months of the pregnancy. Wow. So he stayed in, the area. um, and I, yeah, I was just hanging out in Australia with my son and, um, yeah, I knew that I knew that, I mean, I knew that I would free birth. I also knew that at that point, the midwife that I had had with my son had since deregistered, um, and was now not currently working as a licensed midwife and I knew that I wasn't going to seek out any other birth workers or birth keepers or traditional midwives. They're just, I mean, they're few and far between. I wouldn't have been able to find one. Right. um, it was just like, well, you know, I'm just going to do this on my own. And, um, so yeah, I had a fairly unassisted pregnancy, although, um, I had, I had a UTI in, sort of early pregnancy. And I went in to see a doctor about the UTI and I hadn't even, it hadn't even clicked to in my head that, that they would sort of say anything about the pregnancy or like in, you know, in try to manage my pregnancy. (laughs) Um, like, and I hadn't, like, again, I really didn't have a lot of experience with doctors. So I went in and to just say, Oh, you know, I have a UTI. I just need a little help with that. And Oh, by the way, I'm pregnant. And they were like, Oh, you're pregnant, and then it was this big thing. Or where are you going to birth? And all these questions. And I was like, like None well, of your fucking
0: business, dude. How about that? Yeah.
1: You and don't I, just I, become
0: I, public property because you are carrying the miracle of life. My God, exactly.
1: Yeah, and I was really taken aback. And I wasn't like I didn't go in there like prepared for battle. You know, I I went in there just because I had a UTI and I wanted some help with that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and then I said, uh, you know, I made the, I had made the mistake of saying, oh, you know, I'm just going to birth my baby at home. And then I was this, you know, I had this really negative reaction from this young female doctor. And I basically just said, look, you know, like I came in here for help with the UTI, not for help with the pregnancy. Thank you very much. And I had to be, it ended up being like a fairly confrontational experience. Damn. And, and, and shocking to me because the only, um, experience I had had with the doctor, uh, to do with pregnancy or birth or anything really at that point was that nice doctor that I had seen, um, in my first pregnancy. So I was like, well, I'm not coming back here. That's for sure. Um, and then I didn't, yeah, I just sort of did most of my own prenatal care, um, throughout that pregnancy. Um, I had a lot of morning sickness I didn't have any morning sickness with my son and I had a lot of morning sickness in the second pregnancy. Um, and felt, I felt very, um, like very sort of insular and very quiet. Like this pregnancy called for me to be very, just to rest a lot and to be at home a lot and to just kind of like, just sort of snuggle up and be quiet and not socialize or anything like that. Um, So that was sort of nice in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, And then my husband did arrive eventually when I was about five months pregnant. Um, And then that was sort of our first opportunity to talk about the fact that I was pregnant and the fact that we were having another kid. So that was pretty scary. And it was a really stressful time for my husband and I because – You know, he had never lived in Australia before, and we had just moved here. We had no money, we had no house, we had no jobs. We, I was already five months pregnant with our second kid. Like it was, wow, that's nuts. Yeah, yeah, it was wild, and that, you know, I felt felt like, um, you know, like it. I felt very. I felt, I felt like the only person that was really, which was, you know, a good thing in the end. I felt the only person taking responsibility for everything that was happening was myself. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but, but that felt good. That felt good too. And I, I, I did have, I did get a referral for an ultrasound and I did have an ultrasound, this pregnancy with my daughter and, Again, it's something that I regret doing, no, I absolutely regret both um now, and now that I've like you know I'm much more educated about ultrasound now, I wish I had listened to Yolanda's podcast about ultrasound before I decided to have the ultrasound but, uh no, it's messed up i like, i i've I've tried to unpack like why and and it wasn't like I wasn't having my pregnancy managed by anyone, mm-hmm. so it was. Literally, me. I went to a doctor. I got a piece of paper for a referral for an ultrasound. I took myself to an ultrasound. Like I have, yeah. And and I and I sat down on the ultrasound on the bed, thinking that it would be a five minute thing. And when the when the technician put the gel on my belly, she said, "Oh," um," and I was like, I was like, "This is late." I was like twenty eight weeks pregnant or something. Maybe even thirty weeks pregnant at this point. Um, because I had wanted to do it when, when my husband was with me. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had waited all this time and she said, Oh, just to let you know, like this could take up to an hour. And my reaction was like up to an hour. Like, I was like, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. And, and my husband had the same reaction. He was like, what? What? And the technician said, "Oh, yeah, it's because you know you've left it and too late in your pregnancy, and I have to get all these different measurements and and it immediately felt like like a bad decision mm. um, and after about uh, after about halfway through she she was like, "Oh, I probably need to get like all this, and then I needed to pee and i was like can i can I get up and go pee, please?" And I went to go pee and then we were, I basically said, well, I think that's enough information, you know, surely like you have enough mm-hmm. information. And we, and, I, I, and they're I, like, wait, I, no, actually we don't have anything. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. We have some basic totally.
0: measurements and we can tell that there's a couple limbs.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, we saw the baby, like I mean, it was done. And I felt bad. I like, I walked out feeling really bad about the whole thing and, I was just like, Oh, why did I do that? And then like for weeks, I mean, I still mm. say it to my partner. I'm like, why the hell did I do that? Like, I don't understand why I did that.
0: But you do, but you do like, you know why? Yeah. Like that's, that's, this is the measure of health, the, the false you know, measure of health of our generation. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, our grandmas weren't getting ultrasounds routinely. You know, it's, yeah. it's like, It's, it runs so deep, you know, what does that say that even you having this wild pregnancy and this free birth, there's still this thing in you that, um, and I'm not targeting you because it's, it's everybody really just that, you know, that says like, I can't fully trust that I could be growing a baby without someone else who has more authority than me to take a peek Mm -hmm. and tell me that I'm okay. Yeah. And it would make more sense if that were actually true. Yeah. Like if ultrasound was a reliable technology, there would be more logic to, you know, to our loyalty to it, but because we know that it's so notoriously unreliable in every way, shape and form and causes objective harm, you know, that together, you know, and women still choose to get it for quote unquote
1: peace of mind. It's, it, it, it is, it's fascinating. It's crazy. And, and, you know, I knew that like, you know, I didn't care about having like a yeah, I knew that ultra sounds were notorious for due dates and I didn't care about having a proper due date anyway. I didn't want to know the gender. It's like there is literally no reason for doing it. I, I, I like I I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea why. And yeah. I still think about it and try and unpack it and I just I can't understand it. But so anyway, well, why that, do you uh, think you did it? Did you just not give it any thought?
0: Like you were just like, I'm just supposed to get one or, or was it a relief um, to see that there was four limbs or, to, you know, to have, like you said it with your, yeah, with your, maybe,
1: yeah, maybe it just comes down to that. Like, you know, knowing that because I knew I would have a free birth, um, maybe there was something inside me that thought that if there was some kind of condition or something up with the baby that that they would be able to tell me Mm -hmm. then I could somehow prepare better for that or I don't know maybe that was it yeah yeah but I mean I now know that you know they're incredibly inaccurate so any information would have been useless or Mm -hmm. probably just made the the rest of the pregnancy more stressful totally yeah okay so. so yeah so so then I just you know have the rest of the pregnancy unassisted. Um, I was doing lots of prenatal yoga and, um, keeping really healthy and, um, eating lots of really good food and preparing, like I prepared a really lovely birth altar and, um, space. And, um, I did a lot of preparation. I, um, I was contacted by my yoga teacher knew a woman who had just finished her doula training. Mm-hmm. And so I was contacted by a woman that was, um, looking to, um, sort of like do more births and have more experience at, um, at birth. So I met her and I agreed for her to be my doula, um, to come to my birth. And it's funny because then actually she received some, I mean, she was just a doula. She had just come out of doula training and she was, she was told by a few people in the area. This is a really small town um, that she shouldn't attend my birth and that Hmm. she shouldn't attend free births and that she was somehow legally like Mm -hmm. liable. Like she even, she even came to me at one point. I mean, I met her when I was about 35 weeks pregnant. So it was very late in the pregnancy. But when I was about 37 or 38 weeks pregnant, she even asked me if I would sue her if something went wrong. And I was just like, You're going to be my doer. Like, there's not, am I going to sue you for like not having the heat pack warm enough or like saying the wrong words?
0: But (laughs) it's because women cannot be trusted to hold their own authority. Over their birth. And so, if there is another woman there who's read a birth book, she instantly gets seen as having authority over you because yeah. you are a powerless woman. You know, I mean, that? that's the, it's so,
1: totally messed up. It's so yeah.
0: gross. And it, you know, it's really so ultimately gross. what it's doing, and it's actually doing it quite successfully, except for the radical birth keepers out there. Shout out to you all. Keep doing what you're doing. But, you know, for the vast majority of women, you know, culture has effectively scared women from supporting women to birth on their own terms. You know, I mean, Absolutely. it's yeah. so, so
1: tragic. Yeah, and I also got like a weird phone call from from the hospital that from the medical clinic that I had gone when I had that UTI. They had somehow like taken it upon themselves to manage my pregnancy, or they had obviously put a note that I was pregnant. And I got a phone call towards the end of my pregnancy from a midwife connected to that clinic. Um, And she just sort of said, um, hey, how are you, blah, blah, blah. And she explained who she was. And she asked me how I was going with my pregnancy or who I was seeing for the pregnancy. And I was – it was – she ended up – we ended up having like – very strange conversation. And she was trying to get information out of me about Mm -hmm. where I was going to birth my baby and if I was going to hire a midwife and, um, look, take it from me. Nobody likes to get into more
0: people's business than a woman (laughs) daring to dissent and daring to take authority over her own experience. Jesus Mm -hmm. Christ.
1: Yeah. That's insane. Um, so that was a really weird conversation. And, um, Yeah. And then that was pretty much the end of it. Um, and then I was, um, 38, I was 39 weeks. I was almost 40 weeks. Um, when I went into labor and I was at home, um, with, oh, I went into labor on the Friday. So I was, it was a Friday evening. Um, I had gone to sleep and it was about 2 a.m. in the morning, and I had some very early labor. Um, I had a, like a very mild contraction, sort of like one every 30 minutes um, from 2 a.m. to about 5 a.m. Um, during the, the evening. And they, I would fall asleep during the contraction and the contraction – sorry, in between the contraction, and then mm-hmm. the contraction would wake me up. And But then they stopped, and I went back to sleep, and then Saturday morning – I got up and I mentioned, I think, to my husband that I had had a couple of contractions during the evening, um, and but they had stopped. Um, but there was a something told me that I needed to buy more nettle tea. So I was like, I need more nettle tea. I was like I don't have enough nettle tea, and I think I'm gonna have this baby in the next few days. So I got my son in the car and I drove um, into town to buy some more tea. And I had a couple of contractions while I was in town. Um, but they were just super, super mild. They were – like I was aware that they were contractions, but they were very mild and very manageable. And I went home and they started back up again at about 3 p.m. that on the Saturday afternoon. And, again, they are about one every 30 minutes. And they were super mild. Like I could talk through them. I could – do whatever I was doing through them. They were very, very, very mild. and But I was really excited to feel what early labor feels like yeah. because I hadn't had that with my son. I was like, this is so cool. Like you get to prepare shit. Mm-hmm. Like I went into the room and set up my candles and um, made sure I had the fit and the yoga mat and um, pulled the curtains down. And I just, it felt so amazing to have that sort of mental space to, prepare that in the next coming days, this baby will come. Um, I really feel like I didn't have that with my son. And so, yeah, my my husband went to work um, and my dad, we were were still living at my dad's Mm. place at this point. So um, uh, my dad had gone to a meeting and yeah, it was just me and my son. So it was me and my, my two-year-old son, um, at the house. And it was fun. Like it was really fun being in early labor with my son. Like we, um, we had a bath and like, then my son loves dancing. So I had made four different, um, birth playlists. And one of them was for like dancing the baby out. (laughs) So, um, we I put on this dance playlist and me and my son were dancing like naked, like in hmm. the bedroom and like dancing the baby out. And my son was super prepared for the baby coming. We had read all these books and talked about it. And every time I had a contraction, he would like come up behind me and look into my butt and see if the baby was coming. That's cute. And he would say, baby coming? And I would say, no, not yet. And he was just like the coolest little birth attendant and he was just super sweet. And, um, yeah. And then I had, so that was about, uh, I was about 5.00 PM at this point. And the contractions were still like very, very mild. Um, you know, just like, yeah, again, I could talk through them. They were, I could be in any position. They were very, very mild. Um, I think at about 5:30, I prepared dinner for my son. So we cooked some food together. And then at five 30, my dad walked through the door and he had come back from his meeting. And I said to my dad, um, I'd really love for you to hang out with my son now and I can go into the bedroom by myself and uh-huh. just labor and um, be by myself. I didn't, I didn't need to, like, it wasn't at the point where I had to really go in, but I really wanted to. Like I really I really wanted to enjoy this labor and put on my music and put on my candles and just go and be by myself. I really desired to do that. And so he said, sure, no worries. So he took my son um, into his room on the other side of the house and they were in there and I was just laboring by myself. At this point I had texted my mom and my doula that I was in labor. Um, and my mom lives an hour away. So she had started to head over. Um, but I hadn't texted my doula to come yet. And then, um, yeah, so I had about an hour to myself um, from about five 30, um, in the bedroom. My daughter was born at 10 past seven. So, um, from about five thirty to six thirty I think I was alone in the bedroom and it was just the most beautiful time like it was just really just really peaceful and enjoyable and I just loved it so much huh. and again the contractions were super manageable and I was doing lots of yoga I was doing cat cow and downward dog and just listening to this amazing playlists that I had made and dreaming about my baby and um, speaking out my affirmations. And I was just super excited. And at this point I thought probably the baby would be born, you know, maybe about 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock. Or my husband usually gets home from work at about 10 p.m. So I thought, oh, I'd probably be around then. And if it's earlier, I'll just call him home. And, I think at about, uh, must have been about 6:30 that my mum turned up and she came into the room and she was just kind of hanging out. And because of how I was sort of behaving, she felt like, oh, I must still be in really early labor. And so she was really relaxed. And I asked her to get me some snacks and some more coconut water. And my son helped her cut up the watermelon and he bought me, he bought me snacks while, and he came into the room and he was really calm. He was really cool. Um, he, he, you know, he asked me about the baby coming and, um, I said that the baby's coming really soon and that I needed snacks and water and Hmm. he was like, okay, you know, I'm going to get you the water and he was on it. And, um, I had a few, I think the first sort of contractions that I had to really moan and roar through were probably at around like 20 to seven, maybe or quarter to seven. Wow. And so, yeah, that was really the first, I, like at that point, like still at 20 to seven, I thought that I had hours and hours to go. Um, Cause it was just very, very mild and very relaxed and really enjoyable. And I was just having lots of fun and it was great. And then, All of a sudden, at about quarter to seven, I just had this knowledge come to me that the baby was coming now. Like, the baby was coming right now. And it was just – it was amazing. I was like, whoa, that's okay. Like, let's get ready. Um, And I said to my mom to call my partner and to call my doula. Um, But they both didn't make it in time.
0: Hmm.
1: So – um she left the room to call them and I was alone in the bedroom. And yeah, I just had a few, like maybe about five or six really like intense, like wild, like roaring, like a lioness contractions. And they were amazing. Like they felt so good. Hmm. And that was a really amazing thing for me when I birthed my daughter, every single contraction, even from the beginning, even the early labor ones. They felt so efficient, mm. like every single contraction, I could feel her. It felt like she was descending an inch every single contraction. Like it just, I mean, obviously it wasn't that much, but it felt like she just was like, she was like on it. Mm-hmm. She was like, yes. Like and all contra- that, all that grinding
0: work with your son, you know, did in a way, literally pave the way.
1: Definitely. You know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But it just – oh, it just was such a phenomenal feeling. How confident building. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I was like, this baby is on it. Like, she is – like, and I didn't know the sex at that point. But I was like, you know, she's, she's really on top of it. She's doing a really good job. And so – um yeah, I had, I still had my pants on at this point and I started to freak out about my pants. So I was yelling at my mom. My mom wasn't in the room and I was yelling, mom, you got to get my pants off. Cause I, I couldn't quite get them off myself. I was on all fours with my elbows leaning on the bed. So, um, my mom was behind me trying to take my pants off. And I was like, this baby's coming now. And I just had a few roaring contractions and I could feel her head really coming down, really crowning, and I had like quite recently listened to your birth story um on the podcast, and I had this moment of fear come into me, thinking, How could I possibly be ten centimetres dilated at this point? How could I possibly be fully dilated when I haven't even had you know painful contractions at all and so I reached inside and and felt her head right there. And she was still in her little sack and it was the most phenomenal thing. And her head felt so tiny. It was like touching like a little tennis ball, like a little slippery tennis ball. And I was just, I said to my mom, it was just my mom and me in the room at that point. And I just whispered to my mom, I said, she's like, the baby's coming. The baby's right there. She's coming. And, um, yeah. And I just had one more contraction and she, her little head popped out (laughs) and, My mom was kneeling behind me so she could see her little scrunched up face. And, um, my mom said to me, should I call, um, should I call dad and Ollie? My son's called Ollie. And I said, yeah, yeah, call them in, call them in. And so they came running from the other side of the house. Um, and just as my dad and my son entered the room, her whole little body just slipped out Hmm. and so they saw her little body come out, and then um, I caught her and pulled her up um, to my chest, and everyone was just really silent and um, just in like disbelief, mm-hmm. pretty much. I was just like, "Wow!" It just popped out so quick, and I had only really had about like like contractions that I really had to roll through. It was only about five, and they were they were pretty intense, but I wouldn't describe them as painful at all. And that was only from about six maybe six forty five and she was born at ten past seven, so it was really really, really fast and How did you feel and after it? I felt amazing, yeah, I felt phenomenal, like it felt um yeah, I was just really peaceful and really happy and um really powerful yeah, it just felt it just felt yeah, it just felt great, it just felt. As it should be. Yeah. And it, it also felt really simple, just really simple and really easy and um yeah, really peaceful. And everyone just sat down and um and my son like this was the moment that was really special for me. My son came up, um, and he wanted to be really close to the baby and he just like he touched her little tiny top of her head and um oh and I you know, obviously I looked down and I saw that She was a girl and um that was a pretty phenomenal moment. Um I had really wished for for a girl and I was really hoping for a girl, so that was really, really sweet. Um but yeah, having my son just like touch her so gently and he touched her little tiny ear and he said, Oh, her ears are so little. Uh Um it was just such a sweet little moment and you know, I was able to say to him, Yeah, you look the baby's here and you have a little sister and he he was just over the moon and he was just so, so happy and so, so gentle with her and, you know, he really understood the whole process and um, that for me was really important. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And then, oh, and then my partner walked through the door about two minutes later and saw that we had a daughter <laughs> And, and then my doula turned off about five minutes after that. And so they, they both missed the birth, but, um, they were there for, you know, I delivered the placenta and, um, had a shower and got into bed. Um, and we had my son cut the cord because that was a tradition. My son, my, my older brother cut my umbilical cord when I was born at home. With my parents, so it was something that I really wanted to do. So um, we waited about three hours or four hours, but it was getting close to midnight, and my son really needed to go to bed. So we decided, okay, well, it's time to cut the cord. And we, um, you know, I, I held our little daughter, and I said, you know, I asked for her permission for us to cut the cord, and you know, we thanked the placenta for everything um, that it had done. And, and, you know, I said to her that I'm going to be the one to nourish her from now. Hmm. And we cut, we just used some dental floss and, um, my son cut the cord with the help of my partner, obviously with scissors. Um, and yeah. Um, and then everybody went to bed and, um, we snuggled up. Um, and I snuggled up with my daughter and, oh, that's the other thing is that I was just like high. Like I, I, I couldn't sleep for the first, I mean that whole night I didn't sleep at all. I just stared at my daughter for eight hours, just literally (sighs) stared at her face. I was like, I honestly felt like I was on LSD. It felt very similar to being on acid. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I didn't have that experience with my son. And it was about, it went on for about four days. Every, Well there was a every, lot of drama
0: around that first birth that you didn't, yeah, yeah. You got like the pure interrupt
1: uninterrupted
0: oxytocin magic with that second birth. Totally.
1: Totally. And it was wild. Like I just, every, every color, like, especially being outside, like um, in nature, like, all the colors were so vibrant and, like, my senses were so heightened. Like, I, my sense of smell and my hearing and everything, it was, like, just felt so wild and vibrant and amazing. And, and she, didn't, she didn't latch on when she was born. Um, she – my son latched straight away. Um, and she, when she was born, she didn't latch and she didn't seem very interested in latching. Um, I, she was just tired and so I let her, you know, she obviously slept and so she didn't latch until, you know, almost 10 hours after her birth when she woke up on the Sunday morning. Mm. Um, so that was something that I was thinking about during that time as well as, cause I had only had the experience with my son and I thought, gosh, is she going to latch when she wakes up? I hope she latches when she wakes up. And yeah, of course she did. She woke up on the Sunday and she was just like ravenous mm-hmm. and latched perfectly. And she was like, yes, like, give it all to me. I love that. And, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, um, it's like, cause we yeah, have all these think, rules, like a
0: baby has to nurse before, you know, the first 12 hours of life and a bit, you have to wake a baby up every two hours and da, 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 da. And then exactly. I interview free birthing moms and they always have something that goes against all of that. That still is, is beautiful and, you know, intuitive and, and just goes against all these
1: rules. Totally. Yeah. I mean, she was fine. Like she was just she was having a really nice, good, solid nap. And yeah, she slept for eight hours straight and didn't make a peep and then woke up and was like, yes, mm-hmm. give me as much group as possible right now, please. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. It's a crazy and story, the only, man. The only, um, the only thing that I had after that, the after her birth as well, was I had this is something that I think a lot of women don't speak about, or, or you know, it's not mentioned very much. Is that I had really, really intense after pains mm-hmm. um, after her birth um, that were a thousand times more painful than the labor itself.
0: Mm.
1: So I, when she that um, that morning on the Sunday morning when she started to latch on. I had, um, really wild, like very painful after pains and I had them for 72 hours. Mm. Did anything help? Nothing helped. I hadn't, I, I tried motherwort, uh, tincture. I tried a few things, nothing really helped. And they were, they, they were, they were like constant when she would nurse, when she would latch on. But when she wasn't breastfeeding, it was also like almost consistently every 20 minutes for the next 72 hours. I had wild, like incredibly painful after pains. And they were so painful that I was like, I was crying. I was Mm. moaning. I was smashing my fist against the wooden bed to try and distract myself from the pain <laughs> and, uh, it's, and it so was, <laughs> it's, it's so unfair it's just so and unfair I was, thinking, I was like what I was like I just had this like badass like wild free birth it was painless literally painless it was just the easiest most simple thing and then you know it's like you can't get away without something mm-hmm well, I love your story.
0: It's awesome. It's just so badass. And, you know, I love these stories because they're just ultimately quite simple and it's so powerful. And I could totally picture her just popping out (laughs) with with your man coming in after. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, I'm really, I'm really proud of you and, and I appreciate you sharing your story today. Thanks so much. Thanks for allowing me to share. That's it for today, everyone. Join us next week for another episode of the Free Birth Podcast. Thanks for joining us. And remember, your body, your choice. Lots of love.